Hi, and welcome to the Day One Podcast. My name is Simon Moran, and today I'm sitting with Major Z- Jason Markson. He is the advanced pilot and narrator for the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds. Major Jason Markson is the advanced pilot narrator for the U.S. Air Force Air Demonstration Squadron, flying the number eight jet. He earned his commission in 2007 as a graduate of Arizona State University's Air Force ROTC program. In college, he played the club baseball team and was an avid runner. He also enjoys snowboarding, camping, and traveling the world with his family. Before joining the Thunderbirds, he served as an F-16 flight evaluator and maintenance operations flight commander assigned to the 13th Fighter Squadron, Misawa Air Base, Japan. He has logged more than 1,900 flight hours as an Air Force pilot, flying the F-16, T-38, and T-6. Markson is in his first season with the team and hails from Tucson, Arizona. First off, Major Markson, thank you for joining me on the Day One Podcast. Simon, it's a pleasure being here. And please, you know me better than that. You can call me Jason. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. All right, Jason, jumping in here. After starting your Air Force career, joining the ROTC program at ASU, flying almost 2,000 hours, being stationed across the world, then having the opportunity to join the Thunderbirds and bring it back to where it all started in Tucson, Arizona. What is the experience like for you? When you say it like that, it's uh, it's pretty full circle, man. Uh, it's, it's just amazing to be back at home uh, with my parents, the rest of my family, my hometown friends, uh, and be able to perform in front of them, essentially. You know, we, uh, as the Thunderbirds, we demonstrate the pride and professionalism uh, and represent 660,000 airmen uh, around the world with 60,000 of them being deployed. And so it's just awesome and an incredible experience to bring it all back home. Uh, and like I said, it's it, it was really kind of full circle. It all started here. Sure. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid and it's and we're kicking off the 2019 season here, right. so it's really exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, now after that awesome introduction, I just wanted to hit you with a hardball right oh after, off the bat here. Here we go. So three movies that rank in my top 10 favorites. I'm curious which is your favorite. Armageddon, Top Gun, or Pearl Harbor? Oh, that is a tough question. I figured uh, it would get you. Well, they all have certain characteristics and qualities yeah, that I, I appreciate. Out, random. Right? Yeah, <laughs> random, right? And it has nothing to do with things that I enjoy. Um, I guess uh, I guess I got to say uh, Top Gun, despite it being a Navy film, is uh, sure. is probably the most exciting of those three. But I'm, I'm actually kind of a little disappointed you didn't throw Major League in there. Major League? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually not. I don't think I've ever seen Major That's League. That's because you're too young. Yeah, That's I'm why. a little too young. You're too young. But uh, so just to kind of get you, you know, uh, experience of what the day one podcast is, it, a major focus of the day one podcast is taking successful individuals back to the early days of their journey and keying in on just a few insights uh, that you could give maybe that uh, you can attribute to your current day success. So jumping into it, uh, maybe starting off just before or in college, what drew you to the career in the Air Force? Well, it's hard to start off in college because really, I mean, it started well before that. Growing sure. up in Tucson, uh, I was mesmerized by space, the stars. You could see the sky really well in Tucson with the city lights being pretty low. And it's just, it, it, I was mesmerized by it. So it got me interested into, you know, what it would take to be an astronaut. And looking into that, 
a lot of the astronauts had uh, test pilot school uh, from the Air Force on their resumes. So that's kind of what got me interested in going down that road. I'll say that uh, as I started looking into that more and more, it got me more and more interested of, of in, in doing that. And so while I was uh, starting uh, JROTC in my senior semester of, of high school is when uh, September 11th happened. Sure. And so that kind of, it gave me uh, some, some more pride in being an American and wanting to uh, serve my country. And that's really what got me started on the whole Air Force ROTC. I knew I wanted to join the Air Force and go that direction. So jumping into college, uh, I was in ROTC right off the bat. I wasn't exactly sure 100% what I wanted to do, but uh, that's what those first couple of years in ROTC are for, trying sure. to figure out which direction you want to go. Right. So um, moving on, uh, after those couple years, I decided, hey, I want to be a pilot and uh, go in that direction. I actually... Was uh, I, I applied for it and I was actually denied uh, initially until about two weeks prior to my graduation and commissioning. My commander pulled me into his office and he said, "Do you still want to do be a pilot?" Sure. And I said, "Absolutely." That's awesome. So that it it made a, a total one eighty on my life. I was going to be a developmental engineer uh, at a different uh, assignment, and then uh, he said I was going to be a pilot. So I started the medical process for that and and you know, eventually got, got me to where I'm at today. That's awesome. So kind of, it was a bit of a launch pad for me. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll continue to kind of dive through some of those experiences along the uh, podcast here. So now being in the military, you pride yourself on discipline and being prepared to execute your duties for the audience. What are one or two things that they could apply in their lives to help them in these areas, whether it's consistent morning routines, uh, training in the corporate world, or just a way of staying motivated through tough times. That's a really good uh, question, and I appreciate it because if I could tell uh, the younger me what to do, I would just say, "Hey, have you need to have a positive attitude? Your uh, you need to be able to control the things that are in your control, and if you can influence those things that you can control, then hopefully the outside uh, forces that are outside of your control will start to see." Uh, how good you are. Sure. And the, uh, the the most important thing is maintaining a positive outlook on things because you can spiral into a, a whole world of bad things if you start going negative and start thinking negative and negative not just on on what your situation is, but negative uh, thoughts on yourself. And it can, it can make someone uh, get pretty down in the dumps really quick. Sure. So it's a form of positive thinking and, and kind of keeping that, uh, you know, that positive future in your, in your head, as opposed to kind of going to the opposite or the negative side. Yep. Yep. That helps you start to reach those goals that you've set for yourself as you work through your career, your life, whatever your aspirations are. Sure. And kind of jumping back uh, after uh, ASU and graduating ROTC, what did that first five years kind of look like for you uh, going into the Air Force? I know you had said, you know, you had a, a double run at becoming a pilot there. But once the training picked up and kind of what was that regimen like for you, kind of those first five you know, years within the Air Force? Uh, within the Air Force, uh, so um, I had to maintain a, a pretty good fitness level to maintain uh, or to, to become a pilot in the first place. You know, my, my goal was set on becoming a fighter pilot and that doesn't just happen. You have to work for it. Sure. So out of, uh, we'll just take my pilot training class. For example, we have uh, pilot training was, uh, uh, 60 students. We had 30 in, in two different flights and that was kind of my class. Right. So out of those, um, or sorry, uh, 30 students, 
uh, and they were separated into two flights. And so out of those 30 students, there were only two that were selected to carry on or to continue on as a T-38 uh, student, which is the T-38 is the uh, fighter jet trainer. Sure. So to get to that level, you had to be not only, um, not you didn't have to, you had to maintain a good fitness level. Uh, that was a kind of a given, but you also needed to make sure your uh, academics were, were good. So all of the book work, the schoolwork that goes into studying the airplane and being uh, smart about all the procedures about it. And then also you had to make sure you were continuously getting better at the skill of being a pilot. So that involves chair flying. And basically what that means is sitting in a chair, mm -hmm. envisioning yourself in the cockpit. And some people would put a plunger, you know, down on the floor <laughs> and they would pretend that they're actually flying the airplane with, right. you know, a picture of the controls in front of them. And that's, that's really, you have, to, you have to just go through those procedures mentally over and over and over again until you get it a hundred percent right. And by doing that, you, you make yourself a better pilot. You're prepared for whatever sortie is, is happening next. And so you just, you have to dedicate yourself to maintaining that, uh, that routine throughout, you know, pilot training is a whole year. So you have to at right. least do that for a year. And then that's really only the beginning once you get your assignment. Right. Now, did you go right into the Air Force right out of uh, college then? Or was there a, a gap in between uh, going into training and things like that? Nope. I commissioned uh, a, a month or so after I graduated from college. And it was right into the Air Force. So there was a short period of time where I had to wait to go to pilot training. Mm-hmm. And so I was at uh, Luke Air Force Base as I was waiting to go to pilot training. But I wasn't just sitting on my hands. You know, I was thrown right into the the mix. I got to the cool part about being at Luke was I got to see kind of how fighter pilots interacted and everything. And what uh, what is a bunch of it's student training. Right. So I got to see the successes and the failures and kind of take some of that with me along to pilot training. But uh, that was kind of how it started. And then once pilot training started, it was uh, full throttle right. to be punny for there. <laughs> there you go. Um, so you have barrel rolls, immelmans, aileron rolls. What is your favorite man maneuver and what is the most difficult maneuver to complete? I'll tell you, every time I, I go flying and I get to show someone what it's like, I'll say, uh, I'll, I'll tell them, well, we need to do a, an aileron roll. You have to go upside down if you're not going upside down every flight. What are you even doing? Right. So uh, that's probably one of the more fun things to do. Uh, obviously, they're, they're all very exciting, and they are mm -hmm. all take a lot of skill to make sure you um, can, can get them right. Uh, for the demonstration, though, I think uh, one of the most fun, exciting maneuvers that we have is our trail to diamond roll. Okay. And with that, you'll see our our diamond pilots one through four, they're all kind of stacked up on each other. So, um, the, the number one jet is leading it obviously. And then the two jet is right underneath the number one jet and then the three jet, so on and the four jet, so on. Sure. And so as they pull up and they do sort of a barrel roll, they, uh, the number one, our boss commands them to go to diamond and the diamond formation means you have your flight lead in front. You have number two on the left wing, who's three feet or less uh, on the left wing, then you have number three, who's on the right wing, three feet or less. And you have number four who is in the slot position. And the slot position is basically directly underneath and slightly uh, aft of the number one aircraft. All, and all those jets are within three feet of each other. So you're talking about being stacked up in trail and then going into a rolling maneuver. So it's very dynamic. It's not just one dimension, right? Right. It's or one axis. It's multiple axes. Sure. 
and then they maneuver out into diamond formation all while they're doing a a you know 360 degree barrel roll yeah uh, so it's it's one of the most uh impressive maneuvers for me because um it's one of the most impressive maneuvers because i i understand how challenging it is and it really kind of shows the agility of the plane to the fact that they're able to kind of get that close to each other and still keep that level of flying capability as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it goes back to training. You, you know, I, um, I think I told you earlier, it takes 750 hours before you can even apply to right. the team. 750 fighter hours. That's, that's almost, that's just about two assignments in the air force. So about six years of flying, uh, in a fighter jet before you can even apply to the team. So you have to have the experience, the discipline that it takes to be uh, a pilot in the air force. Right. Okay. So now as the eight man for the Thunderbirds, you have the responsibility of being a public embodiment, uh, of representing such an advanced group within the air force. How much of that level of excellence do you contribute to teamwork, trust, and training? As we've kind of covered, but, you know, take it a level deeper on some yep. of the stuff. Uh, it's equal parts, man. I mean, without, uh, you know, one of the good things about being number eight is I get to fly with my advanced crew chief. And right now I'm flying, uh, I flew Texar and Bryson Schuster out here. And so uh, there's only two uh, crew chiefs in the Air Force that get to fly in the backseat of F-16s as part of their job. And they're mm. both on the Thunderbirds. And I get to fly both those guys. That's awesome. So uh, bringing Bryson out here, he's like the maintenance expert. So when I land, he takes care of the jet. He buttons up all of the maintenance issues that are going on. He coordinates all that stuff back home. And then when we're at a show site, he takes the maintenance representative for the show site and walks them around, leads them through all the things that he needs for his uh, requirement. I could not do my job without him. Right. That's just a one tiny example of how the 130 people that are on our team uh, make a show happen every year, right? So that's that's just a part of uh, the teamwork that goes into it. The training is is inherent. We have to train in order to execute our demonstration. Our demo pilots do upwards of 80 or 90 sorties over our training season, which is only about three months long. To, uh, to get as proficient as they are at doing all the maneuvers. And then uh, absolute imperative that you have trust. I'll just use uh, go back to the crew chief, for example. W normally in the Air Force, you do a walk around of your jet. It's sort of a last-minute look of everything. Make sure uh, everything is good before you strap the jet uh, on onto you and, and leap into the sky, right? Right. So on the Thunderbirds, we don't do that. Our crew chiefs are responsible for doing that, and uh, it show it it really displays the the pride and dedication that they put into their jobs and the trust that we have for them to uh, make it right and perfect uh, pretty much every time that we that we go airborne. And, and jumping a little bit deeper on uh, the aspect of teamwork, what advice could you give our audience that could help them in the area of teamwork? Is it is it communication? Is it defining roles? Is it following a chain of command? What is it that really solidifies the ability to work as a team like you guys do? I think uh, the, the best or one of the most important things about being on a team, being part of a team, is to set expectations. If you go into whether this be a group project or that's, that's only a month long or you know years of, of working together, you have to set expectations for each other. Uh, that way, when people don't follow through, you can hold them accountable for the things that they were supposed to do. And uh, 
sure it, it, in a military sense, you know, there's a hierarchy, there's a rank structure that goes into that. And you, you are required to obey the, the, those that are appointed over you. Right. But, uh, for a team, you need to uh, set those expectations so that, uh, everybody knows, uh, everybody on the team knows, uh, sort of what the goal is at that point and what's going to, and what the, what's the outcome if you don't, uh, hold your end of the bargain. Right. And then uh, I sort of mentioned it in there is setting the goals as well. Uh, what, what's the point of being on this team? Why are we on this team together? Set that goal of why you're on the team, set those expectations. And then that is going to lend itself to trusting, inherently trusting everybody on the team. Right. I, th- I think that's awesome advice, but you know, so uh, Major Marks and I, I just want to thank you for your time today and for all the listeners in Arizona. Could you give them the details on the air show you guys are going to be performing this weekend? Absolutely. Simon, uh, I will say thank you very much for reaching out to me, man. I haven't seen you in a while, so it's awesome uh, reconnecting with you. And uh, this weekend, March 23rd and 24th, we have Thunder and Lightning over Arizona. It's at Davis-Monthan Air Force Base. The Thunderbirds are headlining it, but there's also a bunch of other great performers. The F-22 is going to be here, F-35s. I think F-35 is going to be here. We got the A-10 uh, demo team as well. That's uh, going to be out here. Obviously, they're stationed uh, at DM, and it's going to be exciting. And you know, this is our first show uh, to kick off the 2019 season for us. That means a lot to me because it's my hometown, uh, like I said. And uh, I'm just excited to narrate and bring uh, some excitement to the people over Tucson. And how can people connect with you and the team as far as social and online? Yeah, so you can uh, come check us out. Uh, it's www.afthunderbirds.com. You can follow us on any of the socials at AF Thunderbirds, and you can follow Thunderbird 8 at Thunderbird.8 on the Insta. <laughs> and just to add, where are your uh, next two shows going to be located as well? Next two shows. So as soon as we move on from DM, we get a day or two off, and then we're right, uh, right at it again. Travis Air Force Base, which is uh, in the Sacramento area. And then uh, from that, the next weekend, we'll go to Waco, Texas for the uh, air show over uh, Waco. Cool. Uh, Major Jason Markson, Thunderbird 8, we appreciate your stories and advice. Wish you the best of luck this weekend and throughout the rest of your Air Force career. Am I? Thanks, man. Appreciate it.